All right, folks, what a uh, Saturday of football that was as I sit here uh, before Sunday uh, afternoon, early slate of football game starts. Uh, I was kind of thinking about some of the um, worst traits of the quarterbacks that, uh, that I was seeing that I was seeing yesterday. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of these quarterbacks get maybe a little more praise than they deserve. So I wanted to kind of uh, mash up together a quarterback, um, uh, a quarterback using other quarterbacks that would just basically be fired uh, and benched right away. So I would have Josh Allen's brain... Uh, Tua's mid to deep range passing game, Matt Ryan's clutchness, and for a little sprinkle on top, Zach Wilson's press conferences. Now that is a terrible quarterback. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the world according to Kyle podcast. How's it going, everybody? I am doing just fine, as always. Please feel free to find me on all your wonderful social media platforms. Find me on YouTube, TWA2K, Twitter, Kyleverse, TikTok, Kyleverse, Instagram, KyleMax86, Reddit, TWA2K, and, and in uh, case there's anything that uh, happens with Twitter in the near future, uh, we can pivot over to Mastodon. Uh, my uh, my name on Mastodon is Kyle Driver, with the last E being a three. If you have questions for the show or topics you would like to see me cover, you can slide into one of my DMs and ask me. Right now, you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on uh, iHeartRadio and my private RSS feed. That's it for the housekeeping. So here we are. Uh, Sunday afternoon. NFL football is just about to start. we got a lot to go over. Um, so let's start with a little football. Uh, we had the uh, we had the miraculous uh, comeback by uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Despite getting screwed over by two separate... Uh, uh, ref calls, a little bit of uh, ref ball. <laughs> um, they still managed to come back from a 33-point deficit at halftime to win the game, um, giving Matt Ryan two of the most uh, noteworthy uh, choke jobs as a quarterback of the team that got beat in NFL history. The thir- the thirty three point deficit being the largest comeback, uh, the largest deficit comeback from in NFL history. Um, crazy, uh, even to think to top that. But then the Bills in Miami game was incredible, also. And um, I know there's a lot of uh, a lot of dick riding going on about. Uh, Buffalo and Josh Allen and you know I'm sitting here as a Bengals fan with my 20 to 1 ticket uh, to win the Super Bowl firmly in my clutch and you know what I'm not feeling all all that bad about uh, about it you know I'm not feeling uh, too terrible uh, about it um, for as much praise as uh, Josh Allen uh, is getting he has noticeable flaws. Uh, he's he's not too bright. Uh, let's face it. He will, you know, he would rather try and run through a wall than uh, to go around it. Um, there are multiple instances uh, of this uh, of this uh, you know lack of uh, intelligence uh, last night. Uh, most. Mostly, the one that really, uh, that a lot of people gave him praise for, but 
it will not um but uh i think coaches would not like and coaches will be pissed at him for was before the second half uh ended the buffalo bills had the ball in the red zone and it was at about the three yard line there was eight seconds left and um josh allen uh you know he's trying to get the touchdown but you don't want you don't want to let the clock drain and miss an opportunity to put points on the board so he's running around in the pocket he's buying time he's trying to uh he's trying to uh maneuver in the pocket and wait for buy time to get his receivers time to get open and none of his receivers got open and so the clock hit zero when he went to throw it and so he goes to throw it when the clock's at zero and the defender was plastered all over a guy and somehow he caught it for a touchdown now you know a he should have got that ball off before uh but uh in in enough time to allow his uh kicker to get a field goal but he didn't and none of his receivers were open and he just so happened to place the perfect ball on uh right on his uh receiver and the defender didn't get a hand on it or missed uh batting it away but it's stuff like this that that makes me you know i'm not i'm not scared of anybody uh i'm not scared of anybody in the afc i know we can we can ball with these guys on any given day needless to say and that includes KC that includes Miami that includes uh though Miami might not even make the playoffs at uh, at this rate uh, uh you know they're sliding very fast so you know I hope you guys tailed me I hope you guys got your Bengals Super Bowl picks in hand and we're feeling good we're feeling pretty good about them and the uh, most competition we're probably going to face is in the is in the AFC. Um, people are pumping Philly's tires like they're the best team in the NFL, but they play against the shittier division. And let's say the second best team in the NFC would they be the seventh best team in the AFC? Maybe I don't know. Uh, <laughs> are the Dallas Cowboys would they be the seventh best team in the AFC? I'm not so sure. I'm pumping my brakes on that. Uh, so, overall, this is an incredible uh, week of football ahead, and lots of things will be figured out after this week. Um, we got a lot to go over besides football, So, uh, but excuse me if I have some brief interludes and commentary about, uh, uh, about the happenings uh, in the NFL world. We got a great show for you, folks. We got lots of shit to talk about. Um, so for the last little football, uh, topic, I want to, uh, uh, give a quick, uh, moment of silence for, uh, the death of Mike Leach. So let's have a quick moment of silence. All right. Thank you. Because, uh, you know, Mike Leach, uh, he was a college football coach who had just passed away and I don't even think he's really all that old. He must've been in his, uh, in his fifties and, um, was just kind of one of these off-the-cuff football guys. Like, he was a football guy's football guy. And he uh, he he implemented, like, a, a highly offensive strategy to college football, which was very successful, uh, known as uh, the Air Raid. And he was one of the, uh, if not uh, uh, the pioneer, a... Uh, a um, master of uh, the implementation of um, air raid offense in uh, the college system. Now, Mike Leach has had uh, plenty of like great quotes and great um, uh, life advice that that if you uh, you know if you get him in one of these off the cuff moments. That you know, you you hear something that's equally uh, equal parts funny and true, <laughs> and uh, 
But I wanted to say one thing about um, about Mike Leach that I think might uh, might go a little unnoticed, and it was something that I noticed about another uh, another prominent uh, celebrity death. Now that uh, would be uh, the celebrity that I uh, am going to compare him to is Norm Macdonald. Now, what what did Mike Leach and Norm Macdonald have in common? These are guys who did not really complain about dying and or about death, and they knew they had uh, issues happening, but they didn't really make a big deal about it. They didn't. They didn't. Um, uh, you never heard about anything until they were dead, basically. And, um, I find that very, um, very contrary to the norm. Uh, and I find it also compelling in that, uh, they were tough, right? But they didn't complain about the hands that were being dealt to them. And I don't know if it is done intentionally at all or not, but I feel like, uh, doing this and shifting the focus off of uh off of the hand you've been dealt it really uh and i know not all people uh would ever be able to do that and there's a bunch of different circumstances uh which would make you unable to do that but i find that uh advertently or inadvertently that in not complaining about your death or that uh, you got health issues uh, that are, are are going to make you die. Like, all I remember now about them is the good. Like, you know, you can't really... Uh, you can't really think of something. You know, you remember the most possible possible good about them because they're very secretive about uh about the fact that they had um that that uh you know they had health issues and uh they they might or may may have been dying which is uh you know it a takes an incredible amount of toughness and b uh, you know it inadvertently had the had the effect where you remember the most possible uh, good about them so you know quick uh r.i.p to uh mike leach a uh football pioneer and uh a great football mind that uh we uh we are definitely um definitely less less uh as a football community with his absence now, one other quick uh, football um, uh, thing that I wanted to point out is there, t- I, and I know technology is good and all that, but I think that they're just way too quick to um, to show the transfer of downs, like on the display uh, when you're watching it on TV, like. A play will like the guy will literally just be getting getting up from getting tackled, and the the display will have already moved it to oh, it was second down. They'll have it as third down even before the guy gets up. As a you know little nitpick, uh, just wait a little bit. I don't watch these things on um, on. Uh, I don't watch these things with sound on. I really uh, am annoyed by commentary a lot of the time. So, uh, so I, you know, you you're you're just watching you're just watching this, and I'll be watching multiple feeds, and you're just waiting for it to turn over, waiting for it to, like give it a little bit of time before you b- before you flip it to uh, f- before you flip the down. At least wait for the fucking. Uh, for the fucking players to get up or start to get in the huddle or something. You're just changing it too quickly, in my opinion. So, um, speaking of uh, inadvertent uh, <laughs> inadvertent things, um, I uh, was in... I initially uh, 
wanted to make some commentary on the um, the the uh, extreme violence and uh, brutality of uh, modern horror movies and uh, the kind of torture porn uh, genre that uh, has uh, has uh, permeated uh, the kind of modern cinema. And so, you know, based on what I've heard, this, uh, this movie, this, there's one particular movie that, uh, really kind of just goes all out on, uh, goes all out on the brutality and is just like, you know, uh, a gore fest. So, um, and that movie, of course, uh, if you're familiar is, uh, the terrifier, uh, the Terrifier series. Uh, now I watched plenty of um, uh, list list shows that uh, gave me a heads up, <laughs> a heads up on uh, which scenes were were the worst. Um, so I was gonna go in and uh, you know watch it and be like, oh, you know, this is awful. This is why you know things are so bad and stuff. But um, but uh, it had a it had an uh, it had an inadvertent effect on me where um, <laughs> I actually I actually kind of liked it. Um, I was uh, you know I thought I was just gonna be disgusted and repulsed and yeah there definitely is that uh, that sort of uh, repulsion uh, about it, but. Really did a good job building um, suspense and uh, was uh, really good at uh, at building tension and uh, yeah and um, you know the characters weren't uh, weren't all that bad. Well, well I seen the Terrifier uh, two at first, um, which uh, it, I watched the other one and the other one uh, the first one had just awful acting and was not that. Uh, was not that good and uh, was more of just a pure mm, a pure just gore show but um, you know it uh, you know it did have the the tension and the uh, and, and the build-up and the suspense and, and all that um, but it was a it was a good it was a good uh, it was a good horror movie series I was definitely uh, captivated by it. Now, I would not want to see that movie in theaters because uh, I just need to like pause and like gather myself <laughs> and gather myself and uh, and build up the uh, you know the um, gag reflex to be to be able to stomach uh, to stomach watching some some of it, but. Um, all that being said, I was, uh, you know, I was, uh, surprised that, uh, I liked it as much as, as much as I did. Now, the timeline is really fucking confusing. They should really have put a, uh, um, you know, little, uh, title showing when they're gonna flash back from, uh, from, like, uh, a year ago to, like, now, to, like, now times, because it is a little bit confusing, um, the first one and the second one are related movies, but, uh, I would recommend watching the second one, the second one, uh, has, I don't know, the, the, there's two, uh, brutal death scenes, one in, uh, each one, uh, that, you could argue as which one <laughs> which one is uh, the worse, um, and overall, I do not like this stuff. Like this, just sheer uh, gore and this like finding uh, hilarity in like mutilating people and stuff like that. Um, but that being said, you know, Terrifier was done well. Another thing that I did like about it was that. Um, they didn't have like uh, you know Shannon Elizabeth with fucking D cups pretending to be in high school. Like they actually had, uh, you know, uh, either uh, you know people in high school and grade school 
uh, or people that looked like they you know, that they were in high school or grade school. It just it's very real. It added just an element of uh, of realism to it. Uh, and yeah, uh, if you're if you got a if you got a weak stomach and you want it and you just want to check it out for uh, shits. Um, I would watch a second one because uh, some of the acting in the in the um, in the first one in the uh, dialogue is just really uh, not that good. But it's got you know it's got great practical effects, and you can't um, you can't really uh, you can't really dodge that, regardless of what you uh, of what you think of uh, about the about the movie and. The overall, um, you know, the overall uh, meta implications of um, of a desensitization to uh, that sort of uh, uh, violence. Um, I did also watch the All Hallows Eve uh, anthology series, and that was fucking uh, creepy too. Super, um, super suspenseful. Um, and they do have an element of supernatural uh, horror horror to it, where you you know the guy is kind of like a interdimensional uh, entity who can you know who can like come back from the dead and uh, and stuff like that. So so it allows them uh, to be able to do a lot more with uh, with the movie and. Uh, you know, um, I, I I definitely liked it a lot better than some of the other just like you know hostile uh, torture porn type uh, type of things. It's got it's really tremendously well acted by the uh, by the guy who plays the uh, the uh, villain uh, Art Art the Clown in the movie he he's just he just uh, uh really does a uh, captivating job and it's uh despite the fact that it that they do have brutal uh brutal death scenes i did i did uh, i did like a lot of things about it and uh you know maybe i'll have to wait for a different uh, <laughs> a different movie to be able to uh make some greater meta commentary on uh the um, our desensitization to gore and our attraction to the um, to the lesser appealing uh, aspects of um, of horror movies uh, instead of just uh, tension and suspense and, and stuff like and stuff like that. Like um, I find like a good example of. Um, of a horror movie done really well is is um, hereditary. I thought I thought that was uh, really well done. While it did have you know brutal scenes of uh, violence, it had a larger point and was um, a, and uh, was very suspenseful and just uh, a, and had really nice uh, build up. Now, speaking of the meta implications of uh, desensitization to, um, you know, um, vulgarities uh, and violence, uh, I've seen a, uh, on Twitter, a guy who was uh, posting an airline, he was on a flight, and he had a... Um, fuck Joe Biden t-shirt on, or sweater on uh, and um, the airline uh, told him he can stay on the flight as long as he turns it inside out but they uh, they told him it was against their terms of service to uh, you know uh, to have uh, people wearing t-shirts with profanity on it and the guy, of course, goes uh, blah blah blah, freedom of speech, uh, constitution, all that, uh, all what you would expect. And um, you know, this was kind of the the point I was gonna make about the uh, uh, horror horror movies. But I mean, why do we gotta be such fucking trashy people? Why, you know, like. 
This is a podcast and you can subscribe to it or not subscribe to it. I do swear uh, liberally and and that's just how it is. You have the option to uh, to not be subjected to my vulgarity. Um, someone on a plane who uh, has kids around does not. It's like when I see these shirts of people out in public with a, you know, two-seater and then a one pointing to his head and one pointing to his dick. Like, why do we gotta be such just fucking shit-trashy people? Like, this is, uh, like, it's just so unnecessary. Um, and you want to make the point about free speech. I mean, I get it. The government is not allowed to uh, to si- to silence you, um, but it's different when a, you're uh, using the services uh, or inside a, a, a facility with uh, provided by a private company. That's just it. And I made the same point uh, with Twitter. Uh, you know, as much as you might might not like it, unless it is a, a uh, public public service, then uh, then they have the right to do the things that they do. And I will complain about it. And if they if they if it goes against their ter- terms of service, uh, or if it doesn't go against their ter- terms of service, then I'll have an issue with it. Or if their terms of service are and their use of which are hypocritical, then I'll have an issue with it. Um, but here's how here's how I was. Uh, how uh, I retorted some of these people who were like, you know, eh, freedom of speech, this is uh, communism, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it's not. Um, so if um, so, if you owned a uh, bar which had a large demographic of white people and then a, uh, you know, a black or brown or Asian guy comes in and then starts addressing uh, other people as Nazis or honkies or crackers. So if you think that uh, the airline has uh, no right to uh, to uh, kick him out for, for, uh, for his freedom of speech slash expression, does that bar also need to allow this guy to stay because he has freedom of speech and expression? You see, it's just fucking silly and it's just ridiculous and um people just need to stop being such fucking goddamn uh trash bags and uh you know you're in a you're in a place with uh where there could be children uh and just people who uh just want to go about their lives normally why do you gotta just make some sort of um some sort of uh, uh, point using uh, vulgarity. It's ridiculous. And even a lot of people who are right-wing were uh, saying, yeah, that's, you know, you know the uh, airline has a right to not have you fly uh, if, you're, uh, if you're doing fucking vulgar shit. And half of these people probably are, uh, <laughs> are against uh, uh, dudes wearing fucking uh, women's clothes anyway, so... Just, uh, just bizarre the, uh, the, you know, point in history where we're at, where, like, people would not have put up with, uh, stuff like this before, and now we do put up with it and are super kind to people and allow them alternatives before people would have just kicked your ass off the plane or kicked you out of a bar. Now we actually, um, don't do this. We actually try to reason with you and say hey you're allowed to stay as long as you uh turn the shirt inside out or whatever so breaking news argentina has uh just won the world cup they beat france on penalty kicks so they uh you know they they had the maradona the hand of god goal which probably shouldn't have been, shouldn't have been counted and uh argentina congratulations to them they uh vindicated the <laughs> the hand of god uh goal by winning uh by winning a world cup completely legitimately you know they might have won uh won otherwise uh 
uh, without that hand of God. But I mean, uh, well, what happened was that, uh, you know, video technology was not great and it was kind of just a call it on the field type of thing. And Maradona, uh, who died a couple years ago, punched the ball in instead of uh, instead of heading it. He tried to line up for a header and realized he was off and then kind of punched the ball into into the net. Uh, and that is what ended up being the uh, game winner for Argentina when they won in uh, 86, I, I believe. Now, moving on to uh, the next topic... I have some, uh, I have a, uh, new little interesting, uh, thing I've been playing around with, uh, software that I've been, uh, experimenting with, and you've probably heard about this, it's been in, uh, it's been in the news, uh, this, <clears throat> this AI, uh, software called, uh, ChatGPT, um, pretty fucking cool shit if i uh do say so myself um so this is gonna be the future of search engines uh and this is only just started and is only in its infancy and it is already uh it is already significantly better at answering questions than uh typing something into google now um now i was gonna say that uh i i could easily see google buying buying this company but this is apparently a uh microsoft a microsoft project or people working under the microsoft umbrella now i got a few examples loaded up in order to um in order to showcase exactly, uh, you know how um, how how good this uh, this uh, this program is, so it's called Chat GPT. So I asked it uh, I asked it uh, three uh, three different things uh, that uh, I feel are uh, are are decent to kind of get a a um a grasp on uh on how on how this artificial intelligence answers um answers questions now you know i really wish i had this around in high school it would have made writing essays a, <laughs> a whole lot easier uh, <laughs> not that wikipedia uh was bad or anything or not that i even used wikipedia back in the day but um or, or had the computer uh, accessibility to do it, but, you know, you know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> it, it can, uh, I, I mean, people can really kind of, uh, can really kind of do some uh, corner cutting um, on homework with uh, this thing, that's for sure. So the first question I asked it was uh, a, another prominent news topic that, uh, that has been going around lately. Um, the nuclear fusion uh, compared to fission, how we you know had a major breakthrough in uh, nuclear fusion. So I asked this uh, Chad GPT, why is nuclear fusion so much better? And uh, so this is a response that it came up with. Nuclear fusion, the process of combining two lighter atomic nuclei to form a heavier nucleus, has the potential to be virtually limitless and a clean source of energy. It is considered to be much better than nuclear fission, uh, the process currently used in most nuclear power plants, for several reasons. One, abundance of fuel. The fuel for nuclear fusion, primarily hydrogen and its isotopes, is abundant and widely available on Earth. In contrast, the fuel for nuclear fission, such as uranium and plutonium, is limited and needs to be mined. 2. Safety Nuclear fusion reactions do not produce long-lived radioactive waste, unlike nuclear fission reactions. This makes nuclear fusion a safer and more environmentally friendly energy source. 3. 
energy density. Nuclear fusion releases significantly more energy per unit of mass than nuclear fission. This means that a smaller amount of fuel is required to produce the same amount of energy, making it a more efficient energy source. 4. Sustainability Nuclear fusion reactions are self-sustaining, meaning they can control and sustain for long periods of time without the need to constantly add new fuel. This makes nuclear fusion a potentially sustainable energy source for the long term. And then it uh, ends with, despite these advantages, uh, nuclear fusion is still a developing technology and is not ready for widespread use as an energy source. Scientists and engineers are working to overcome the technical challenges involved in harnessing nuclear fusion, and it is expected that fusion will play a significant role in the global energy mix in the future. So that was the end of the response that it gave for um, why, quote, why is nuclear fusion so much better, end quote. Just a really nice condensed... Uh, condensed um you know paragraph of uh of kind of generally what you're looking at and you can get really specific uh ask really specific questions also this is uh this is incredible to um to learn um to learn in like a very condensed uh uh paragraph or a few paragraphs about um about anything that uh, that you want to learn about really really incredible um, so here's a couple a couple other examples um, here's one that I asked it uh, about football I said uh, I said uh, I asked it um, what is an example of an optimal play call versus a Tampa 2 defense in the NFL and this is a response it generated. In American football, the Tampa 2 defense is a defensive scheme that is a variant of the cover 2 defense. It is characterized by the use of two deep safeties who are responsible for covering the deep part of the field, the quote 2 in cover 2, and by the presence of a middle linebacker who drops back into a deep coverage role, the quote Tampa in Tampa 2. An example of an optimal play call against a Tampa 2 defense would depend on the specific situation and personnel on the field. Here are a few strategies that might be effective. 1. Attack the middle of the field. Since a middle linebacker in a Tampa 2 defense is dropping into coverage, there may be opportunities to attack the middle of the field with intermediate routes or even deep passing routes. 2. Use play action. If the offense can establish a strong running game, play-action passes can be effective against a Tampa 2 defense. The safeties may be drawn down towards a line of scrimmage, creating openings in the deep part of the field. 3. Spread the field. Using multiple receivers and no-huddle offense can help spread out the defense and create mismatches or openings to receivers to exploit. 4. Run outside. If the defense is playing a single high safety, running the ball outside may be an effective strategy. The offense can use misdirection or zone blocking to create space for the running back. Ultimately, the key to success against any defense is to have a balanced attack and to be able to adjust to what the defense is giving you. It may take some trial and error to find the right play or combination of plays to work best against a particular defense. And that was the the end of the answer that it gave. So just a really, uh, a really just uh, potent but condensed uh, answer to, uh, you know, as... Um, direct of an answer as you can give considering uh you know uh the the question that that you're asking it now it doesn't really do so well with um uh questions of subjectivity and stuff like i asked it um 
why do why does modern music suck so <laughs> suck so much and uh well you, you know it, it you know spit out the type of response that you would expect well you know suck is uh, sucking is a subjective distinction and <laughs> and uh you know di- uh, is based on you know different um different uh styles and cultures and likes and dislikes etc uh but you know, you could. I could really see this as being uh, implemented uh, and being like the uh, uh, something we would use instead of search engines. Like search engines, we I think we'll just use for uh, websites and trying to uh, locate companies and um, figure out about uh, about companies' own uh, information. But this is just such a. a a great resource to get uh, to get um, a good understanding of a topic with in a very short period of time uh, the most condensed information you possibly can get now another one I asked it uh, about was I just recently was hearing about um, basil 3 compliance in um, the financial system is related to uh, to um, economics, it was something that came up in a crypto video that I was watching, and so I I, I asked uh, the Chat GPT. I said, uh, "quote What is the Basel three compliant? What is Basel three compliance?" End quote. And uh, the answer that it gave: Basel three is a global regulatory framework for banks developed by the Basel Committee on Banking Supervision that sets out minimal capital requirements and other rules uh, that banks follow to ensure that they are financially stable and can continue to operate in times of economic stress. The purpose of Basel III is to strengthen the resilience of the banking sector and reduce the likelihood of future financial crises. Basel III compliance refers to the process by which banks ensure that they are adhering to the rules and requirements set out in the Basel III framework. This includes maintaining minimum levels of capital and liquidity, as well as implementing risk management and governance practices that are consistent with the, practi- with the principles set out in the framework. Banks are typically required to report on their compliance with Basel III on a regular basis and are subject to supervision and oversight by regulatory authorities to ensure that they are meeting the requirements of the framework. Non-compliance with Basel III can result in regulatory penalties and other consequences for banks. So really great, a uh, really great set of uh, examples uh, on all sorts of uh, subjects and really um informative answers uh now this is this is mind-blowing this is the this is the future of ai and artificial intelligence and um you know some people think it's uh it's a little bit scary but i think we're longer away than people think um of like you know robots taking over the world now in order for that to happen, we need something um, something with organic intelligence uh, that is inside of a uh, machine that has uh, at least minimum capabilities of the human body. It would have to be able to pass a Turing test. Now, even if you could create a machine uh, that that was um that had uh you know all the capabilities of humans and was able to look the way humans looked it would still talk like a robot it would still think like a robot and you still understand the types of um you still understand that that it's a different type of uh information processing a type of system of information processing it's not reaching from uh humans don't reach from database of infinite sources of knowledge and 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 uh and an ai uh an ai intelligence would speak a lot more um a lot less organically and uh i think there will be there was we're still for all the people 
people that worry about this. We're still a long way away from this happening now. Um, do we need to really fucking sort our shit out before the, before, uh, this takes off? Yeah, we have a long way to go, but, um, to be quite honest with you, I'm more worried about, uh, uh, a nuclear bomb than I am about, uh, robots taking over at least, you know, until, uh, until, you know, 20, the next century, basically, <laughs> Oh my god, Justin Fields just had one of the most incredible touchdown runs I've ever seen in my life. Holy shit. It was like second and 27, and he was just slippery like butter, just going through. Like, he was at like the 50-yard line. That was just incredible. Incredible fuck. And Houston just scored. Holy shit. Houston is up on Kansas City by a touchdown. And, uh, and Chicago is up on Philly. Holy shit. What a fucking run that was. Wow. Wow. And it's, uh, okay. It's been too long since we've had, uh, one of these segments. So it's time to bring it back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a Tales from the Crypt. Oh, we gotta we we gotta talk some crypto. Um, it's been a uh, it's been a tumultuous time for uh, hodlers out there. Uh, some more than others. My positions were actually kind of even ish until lately. They've uh, gone from like ten percent down to like around twenty five percent down overall in my uh, total portfolio. Um, I haven't really sold anything, uh, and we've had this, uh, there's just a lot of, um, there's just a lot of bad vibes in the crypto market, but that, uh, means it's a great time to buy, and there's, uh, great, um, uh, buying opportunities, uh, depending on which asset you're looking at, that's how I look at it, um, but you know, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get crushed as bad as a lot of people. Now, um, so the FTX uh, thing, F FTX collapsed, uh, uh, and um, you know, it's just amazing that these things got propped up so big to begin with. Um, a, a lot of this is just speculative. Um, speculation uh it's just speculation and um these these uh it seems like the companies they're you know they're the only way they would have been able to have any sort of future would be if bitcoin just kept going up and up and had no pullback it's amazing that we're just seeing like a little bit of a uh pullback to uh, to uh, a little bit of a regression to the mean on Bitcoin, and all all these companies are are collapsing. Uh, it's really it it's really amazing that they're that they're this frail and that they're this um this like this much of a um of a uh of an extension cord plugged into itself that, uh, that a little bit of a pullback can, can cause, uh, can cause this sort of, uh, crypto collapse. Like what, like are really you so delusional that you just kept, if you were really so delusional that you just kept crypto, uh, or kept thinking that Bitcoin was going to, uh, shoot up to a hundred thousand to six figures per coin uh and higher then you're then you got what you deserved and you didn't do enough research or you are very uh are in a too much of an echo chamber in my opinion um and there's a little bit of a false parallel between uh sbf and the biden administration um where uh, the Republicans are pointing out that 
uh, SBF was donating to the Democrats, but he also donated to Republican uh, parties an equal amount. He just did it under the table because, you know, um, there's a lot of bad sentiment around the Republican Party based on their, you know, um, embracing of hatred as an overall uh, platform for their uh, for their party. Um, now, uh, I think just a lot of people just have a, an irrational uh, belief in Bitcoin. And they're even still, they're just like, oh yeah, Bitcoin's not, not doing so bad. It's like, if you followed me, you'll know that my main, uh, my portfolio is mainly comprised of ISO 2022 coins. And while we didn't have these major major high upticks we're waiting for the banks to get on board because we want to be on the bankers coins and you know the iso coins in uh my portfolio has largely not got demolished uh it's you know it's down it's down more than i expected but you know, I'm not like losing like you know some people. You know, uh, F FTT coin went down like 99 percent, and uh, and the writing was on the was on the wall for this. Um, crypto had to had to get regulated. People were getting uh, you know people were getting uh, crushed, and um, the and. At the end of the day, banks are going to end up using this uh, this technology because it will it will make them uh, it will make them better. It will make them process payments faster, and it will be better overall for uh, for the banks to use this technology. So, my rationale was that you know I don't care if I have to wait five to ten years. Now I had some um, I was now while I I had a lot into XRP and a lot is rolling on this XRP case. Um, you know, I think like the, because I think there's price suppression involved in the XRP token and that we are gonna, the banks are gonna be using the XRP token, which is my main reason for holding such a high, uh, uh, such a high percentage of my portfolio in XRP. Uh, I was, I also had some other coins that, you know, it, so it, I wasn't completely leveraged into just ISO coins. I was, uh, I also had a little bit, um, a little bit, uh, leverage in, uh, Bitcoin succeeding and BNB succeeding and ETH succeeding. Like I had coins that were loose, that were, uh, related or that would have benefited off of the success of, uh, Bitcoin, BNB and and eth while they weren't those coins specifically they were other coins that um help facilitate uh business of those coins so uh you know that was my long way winded way of saying that i hope you <laughs> that i hope you followed uh that i hope you followed my my advice and i really hope you uh you didn't get crushed or that you didn't go over leveraged and now i uh, i i really uh i'm i'm really weirded out by this sort of um by this bizarre attacking on xrp by uh, maxi pad kaiser and um charles hawkinson and a variety of uh other crypto influencers because you know xrp is what's going to help legitimize crypto and we want crypto legitimized now i'm not against the uh well, i don't want to say decentralized i'm not against like uh speculative uh crypto assets and i think it's uh i think people take their own risk and i took my own risk with the things that i do also and uh, if you're taking on speculation and crypto as a speculative play, that you are taking more risk. I have speculative plays. Libero, extremely speculative uh, play that's very much dependent on uh, speculation uh, being um, uh, being uh, good for um, for crypto. So I'm not against speculation. I'm not against. Um, I'm not against. Uh, uh, 
complete decentralization or I'm not against people losing their money, but what's going to help bring institutional money into crypto, what's going to help bring institutions into crypto is, um, is having uh, assets that are regulated, that uh, adhere to certain codes and protocols so that because uh, you know these guys these guys need to make sure that um you know they don't lose their company because uh they bet on some idiot who uh, who is uh you know stashing money in the cayman islands like uh i think bitboy ended up going to the place where ftx is like or, or where Tether, sorry, Tether's uh, uh, money was located, right? Where Tether's uh, reserves are located because Tether is a stable coin, which is supposed to be pegged one-to-one -to, -one to the U.S. dollar. And he went there and it was just like a fucking closet. And there's no way there was like $60 billion that uh, they would have uh, needed to uh, back tether one to one so there's a lot of bullshit uh going going around right now in crypto and i want to take this out as an opportunity to uh tell everybody to um to get your money off of exchanges uh i use a cold wallet i think uh everyone should use a cold wallet at least for your majority holdings Maybe a hot wallet is okay as long as you have the keys to uh, the private keys to said wallet. But get your money off of exchanges r right now. Uh, the sooner the better. Do not wait on this. Make sure that uh, that that you're doing it because it's a very volatile time right now. I'm not selling. I wanna I wanna buy those dips, and uh, I have full faith in the. Uh, that by the time 2030 rolls around that my positions will uh, will have paid off so uh, that's what you got to do if you got to keep a little bit on like maybe put a like a portion of your percentage onto um, into a wallet into a hot wallet and then the rest cold and then when you want to make a trade then transfer it over to the exchange and a lot of heat is coming down on uh, on these influencers and Tom Brady and Larry David and uh, uh, the people who were promoting um, who were promoting FTX, but they were just paid to do it. I mean, uh, and this is not a crypto issue as much as it's a uh as much as it's a people issue and that people are easily misled by other famous people now when i want crypto advice uh larry david is not a guy i'm gonna be i'm gonna be trusting his opinion on uh and uh same thing with tom brady if i if i wanted uh, advice on uh, how to be a better quarterback than the, or maybe Tom Brady or if I want uh, you know how to keep my body in tip top shape when I'm 50 years old then yes Tom Brady for that uh, if I want advice on how to uh, you know write comedy or observational comedy Larry David if I want financial advice I'm not I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to Larry David so that is much less a problem of them than it is our uh, our um, cult-like obsession with uh, fame and famous people. And I love uh, Larry David, by the way. I love Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm and uh, and his comedy. But you know, I can uh, compartmentalize the fact that I like that and I like crypto and I need a different person's opinion on crypto than than i uh than i uh, than uh somebody who writes sitcoms well and uh i think just collectively as a society we need to get this cult of fame uh this cult of fame thing um you know uh categorized a little bit uh better for our life decisions um 
it reminds me of a of a post that Elon Musk made where he was displaying the <coughs> most followed crypt, uh, or Twitter accounts, and the most followed Twitter accounts are some of the accounts that like post the least, <laughs> and uh, you know that's kind of that's kind of where we're at as a uh, or where the large majority of the society is uh, at. Uh, the level that they're that they're peaking at right now. So that's about it. That's uh, that's all I got for you. I hope that uh, you guys weren't uh, too crushed by um, by the uh, by the crypto collapse. I mean, it's never too late to start investing in the uh, ISO coins. I mean, you don't need to have. Uh, you know, you don't need to spend ten thousand dollars on every single coin. Uh, you know, as long as it uh, gets up, uh, you know, as long as it gets up in price, like start start buying some of these things that are going to be uh, used for the future, and stop uh, dumping so much money on um, speculative assets with uh, absolutely no utility. So, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, that was the world according to kyle podcast have a good one everybody